Welcome to This Guy is Sick. I am Sam Valentine and I have nobody in the studio with me today uh, because we're on lockdown. However, I am being joined by my fellow members, my fellow teammates. we got Chris with a Kayla Ladyway. Wagwan. We have got Scotty. What up, buddy? And we've got Jake. Hola. Yeah, so today in this slightly slightly less um, familiar tone of an episode, we are going to be talking about all the Final Fantasy VII news that Square Enix dropped basically unannounced yesterday. And there was no build-up to it. There was no you know fanfare around it. They just sort of come out of nowhere, all of them. In, in and around the state of play. <laughs> yeah, in and around the state of play, which was really weird because... The state of play announcement, yes, you expected at least something big to happen there from anyone. It could have been Bethesda, it could have been anyone doing oh, Ubisoft doing a big announcement, and it was it was Square Enix. But then they just started on YouTube just dropping trailers for like other games and other things. So we're going to start with the YouTube stuff first because it's 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 a lot simpler for us to do it that way. And we're going to start with uh, the first soldier, Final Fantasy VII, the first soldier. So we'll start with Jake. What are your first impressions of The First Soldier? To be quite honest, it just looks like a really poor cash-in idea. Like, you've got all the fucking the big Battle Royale shit going on at the moment. You've got stuff like Fortnite and everything that's going strong, and you've obviously got um, the fucking one that was ripped off in the first place. I can't remember what it's called anymore. Um, oh, PUBG. PUBG, yeah. Like, it's, it's just an attempt to cash in on that. And, like, the idea behind it is kind of cool. But I just don't think it was a very good idea to bring that up. And on mobiles in particular, games like that on mobile suck. Even if it's a big thing in Japan, they are bad. Yeah, it, it, and it doesn't scream of the Final Fantasy VII universe, right? If it was like a Dissidia Battle Royale or something, right? And it was, oh, all these Final Fantasy characters from all of our games, we're going to be allow you to get skins and whatever and jump into some Battle Royale. I could see there being some merit as to why they would choose that. But to do it with Final Fantasy VII just seems like they just want more money. Like there's the, and obviously they do want more money, but yeah. they there's no artistic merit behind choosing to do something like this. It struck me more as um, Metal Gear Survive feel to it than anything else. Yeah, this is exactly what it is. Survive is a good one. It, this is this is Final Fantasy VII's version of Metal Gear Survive, which no one asked for and no one fucking wanted. Unless there's going to be some sort of story behind it, which I very much doubt there will be. Well, the, the, the story that they've done behind it, apparently, is that... The whole, the whole battle thing is them competing to become the first soldier. So this is people like in a massive battle royale to like prove that they're the best. And while the story beat idea is fine, they could have done it in a non-battle royale game and it been better. And if they'd have done a battle royale game, if they'd have at least done it on either PC or console rather than mobile, you've at least got a control system that won't feel like you're trying to fist yourself. Yeah, I mean that is a problem with with the mobile controls. They suck. They they genuinely suck. Like looking at what it showed you, like uh, the screenshots of this game, it's like little blocks that each one does a different. So you just tap at things and then run around with your with your hand. Now, if you've got a controller for it, maybe it's not going to operate so badly. But even then, it's not going to be very intuitive because it's not built for a controller. And if you if you haven't got an up to date phone, how the fuck is it going to run on something like say? 
you know, like an iPhone 7 or something like that? Is it just, is it just gonna run? Back, is it gonna run like a bag of shit? That battery life ain't gonna last. That battery life ain't gonna last. Yeah, he's, he's gonna drain you to fucking high heaven. It's weird that they would release a game like this when Square Enix have an incredibly bad history of yeeting their own mobile games, including one on the same day or the day before they announced these two new Final Fantasy VII games, which is uh, the two Union Cross games for Kingdom Hearts, are being discontinued. So they're announcing they're discontinuing mobile games and then saying, oh, by the way, have another mobile game. It's like, what the fuck's going on? Because they can only work on two at a time. To, to be fair, though, like, I've heard that the, the Kingdom Hearts ones weren't exactly stellar to begin with. and Most aren't. <laughs> well, yeah, but and in recent, in recent I years... I didn't even know there were any... Yeah, like, in recent years, they've just petered off. But if you look at the history, like I haven't got a list or anything, but I, off the top of my head, I can name Chaos Rings. There was three of those games that were online, and they were online to purchase. And I think maybe the first one or the sec or the second one they've got rid of. You can't, you can no longer um, play them, order them, buy them. They're just gone. And if you get the APK, you can't connect it to the internet, so therefore you can't play it because even though it was a game that cost you like fifteen quid to to buy outright. You still needed to be connected to the internet to fucking play it, and the servers are gone. Uh, there was Guardian Cross, which was their Final Fantasy-based um, hunting game, which was you a card shoot game. shoot cards to fucking yeah. unlock the cards. Yeah. It was really weird. That's what that game's called. I, it yeah. was great. It was great fun, and I I played the shit out of that, yeah, and same. I got I got I got burnt on that because I did actually spend money on it. And they they just discontinued it out of the blue. It was just an out of the blue announcement. Yeah, at the end of the month, it's gone. And I ended up getting refunded by Google. When they announced that it was going, they hadn't informed Google yet that they were removing the game from the store, which is illegal or against their terms of conditions. So Google just went, here's your fucking money for, for purchases back. And I was like, brilliant, fine, say no more. And now these Kingdom Hearts games, it's like Square Enix have been terrible at keeping their mobile games going for a long period of time. Um, you've got uh, Dissidia Opera Omnia, the one that came out when Dissidia NT came out, and it's doing a lot better than Dissidia NT did. It's actually quite a good game generally anyway, but like that's that's still going pretty strong. Yeah, but then see, again, that is a has turn-based battle system in it, and has all the characters people know and love, and guess what? Nerds who like Final Fantasy enjoy that kind of thing. It's like Record Keeper is now in its sixth year. Six years that's been going strong, and people still play it. But then games like Mobius, um, I think it was Mobius or Brave Exvius, yeah. one of them got yeeted. Oh, no, no, Brave, Brave Exvius is definitely still going. That one is massive. So it might have been Mobius. They, they got rid of that. But then if you actually look at what the battle system was like and look at the way the game was, that weird sort of isometric top-down looking camera that's not what people look at a final fantasy and go that's what i want from it so it's it's odd to see them go what do people want from final fantasy games overwhelmingly let's give them a battle royale that just that just seems like a strange fucking jump to make that's the thing though like some some of their games hit and some of them miss like you, you're saying record keepers in it's like sixth year so is brave exvius that's that's also in its sixth year um that's going really strong and like I, I play that one. I really enjoy it. Um, and again, you've got access to characters from all the different games. They've got War of the Visions that they did last year. Um, so this is its like second year running now. And that one is basically Tactics, the mobile game, and is also really, really good. Yeah, no, I like that game. I just don't really play mobile games. That's my main 
thing. I, 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 I still play record keeper on and off. Just when they have an event, I'll jump in a big event. I'll jump in or a big crossover. I'll jump in, and that's roughly it. I don't play it too much. Um, on the plus side, they're free to play. They they are yeah, and and one thing to give them credit for, um, both with uh, Brave Exvius and Record Keeper, you don't have to pay for those to actually be worth it. You can play them pretty simply, pretty easily without any issue or be feeling like you're held back. They give you a lot of gems that unlock stuff. They they give you fucking tons of free resources in those games. War of the Visions is the same actually. Like I I log in every day at the very least to get all the free shit and the amount of stuff you get completely free. Like I've got almost every character in the game without paying any money. And I think that's part of it. We know how predatorial battle royale games are in general. I can't see them toning it down for it. And like like Jake said, the concept of it. I don't mind the concept of how did we get the first soldier? How did we create soldier? Who was put forward as the first of our ranks? I don't mind the sound of that. It's just delivered in a way that I wouldn't personally choose. And looking at you guys, I don't think you would either. Um, Scott, what are your feelings on it so far, this first soldier? Mate, I couldn't give two shits about it. Like, literally, I don't play Battle Royal games. And, yeah, like I said before, this literally just reminds me of Metal Gear Survive, and that's enough of a sign to stay as far away from it as possible. And, Chris, how do you feel about it? You're more of a mobile gamer. You play that Marvel bloody mobile game. I do. Um, I'm going to totally skip away from the fact that I do as well. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't play a Battle Royale on a mobile, that's for sure. And when I saw the gameplay trailer for it, I looked at it and went... This is clearly based on Crisis Corp from how the um like actual layout of the menu and the HUD on the um, HUD system is. Yeah, it has got a Crisis Core vibe to it. Um, I mean, some fans seem to be happy about it. I, I've had a, a browse through Twitter and saw people going, "Oh, I can't wait for this game. I can't wait to discover who the first soldier is." And I was like, "Yeah, but it's it's a no one because it's you, right? It's your <laughs> yeah. homemade fucking character. It doesn't exist. It's it's not a canon." unfortunately especially with twitter and we've seen a bit of it online square has a lot of fans who are just full-on shills that will lap up every fucking thing they do even if we can look at something objectively like this and go yeah this is kind of bullshit and probably won't last they have fans that are just like best thing they're ever going to do this is going to blow up this is going to be bigger than fortnite this is the biggest thing they could do with the franchise you like, <laughs> are you fucking serious yeah. like quite quite honestly i think it's going to be an absolute piece of shit i think it's going to be complete trash Yep, I'm, I second that. I, as long as I don't have to pay for it, I'm probably <laughs> going to give it a go. Just so that I can say I've tried it. I'll play it if someone gives me money to play it. <laughs> yeah, do that, and then I'll, then I'll play it to my heart's content. Yeah, I, might just pay, I might pay it to live stream me playing it, just so I can shit on it live. <laughs> <laughs> right, so moving on, because th that game is like not what anyone wanted. Especially with... <laughs> Especially with the name of it. And I knew these people were wrong. Like, there were lots of fans going, this is going to be Sephiroth, right? This is going to be about Sephiroth. And I was like, but he, we know he wasn't the first one. Because he came up with Angeo and Genesis together. He was not the first person to be in Soldier. When he became a member of Soldier, Soldier already existed. So I was sort of like, you know, a lot of fans had their hopes up. I would hate to be one of them now thinking that they were going to get this Sephiroth game. And they've got a fucking battle royale, to be honest. <laughs> 
just boiled like, again. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, I even saw fan art of people going the first soldier, and they'd made like PS4 fucking cases, and they'd put Sephiroth on it and put all his effort into it, and basically it's a battle royale. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on from that to another mobile game, but one that I feel looks promising as fuck, which is Ever Crisis. So we'll start with Chris on this one for Ever Crisis. Uh, I know you're a big Crisis Core fan. Seeing that that is going to be included in Ever Crisis, how did you feel about the trailer or what it's going to be or how it looks? I am definitely looking forward to it. There are some things like Dirge of Cerberus being made canon, which I'm like, I'm not sure I want that, but I will definitely give it a play. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good to get um, like before Crisis on there. As a, like we've not had that in the West, we've not had that story in the West. That's good to see. And then they've included Advent Children on that list as well, meaning we have to play the events of Advent Children. So that to me, yeah, that that's not bad, right? That's all right. So Jake, who's who is moving around vibrantly on the camera, clearly wants to talk about this. So go ahead, man. Oh fucking! Well, you you hit the nail on the head there with the Before Crisis bit. Like that that's never had a Western release. It was only ever on the specific mobile phone in Japan that they released that had it on. So, like, you couldn't actually play it outside of Japan. There's been, like, fan-done um, fan APKs and all that kind of stuff. And, like, there's the one on the RPG Maker, which is fine. Like, I gave that a little bit of a go, and it was okay. But them doing it in this style, like, it looks like they're doing it as basically the one-to-one -one remake of what they've, they've already got, but with the more turn-based system to work on the phones, but then they've got the better graphics for the battle system, and then the updated, but still a little bit weird, like, character models, a bit like they had in the original 7, Yeah. for the overworld, and like, I actually think this looks like it could be not just good, but fucking phenomenal. Like, they've, they've got so much to draw from, like, yes, okay, some of the, some of the things they did in Crisis Core, um, Advent Children and Dirge of Cerberus weren't so great, but at the same time, at the very least, it's going to have almost the makeover treatment where it's going to play closer to what the original 7 did, and then the storyline should just match up in one start-to-finish go. So when, when they've done... Because it sounds like they're doing it episodically. Yeah, they are. So whether that's going to be, like, parts of 7 at a time and then parts of the other ones, or if it will be, here's 7, here's the Before Crisis episode, here's the Crisis Core episode... We don't know how they're doing it like that yet. I'm gonna say if they if they did it all as one big game, then the fucking file size would yeah. be huge. Or how it's gonna play. Like as Jake said, it looks like there is an overworld, right? It looks like there is uh, you can run around in an overworld. But are we gonna just get portions of the overworld rather than an open world that you can run around in, or are we just gonna get quests and you can run around in those quests? And that's what you unlock each time they do the episode. You just get a new batch of story, um, similar to how Christ, um, not, um, how Final Fantasy Record Keeper does it, where you literally just get battles from each one. Or are we going to get a full playable game? I'd lean towards. I mean, one we don't know because we don't know enough about it. But the way they kind of, the way they put the trailer, and they were like another way of doing a remake you know they kind of have these wording in there of like an or another way to imagine the remake makes me feel like they have seen not backlash but they've seen some people have gone fuck these time ghosts fuck zach being alive i'm not interested in this bollocks in my final fantasy 7 remake i'm not buying anymore and there's going to be plenty of fans who played 
the remake who aren't going to touch it again we know some personally have been very vocal about not touching it again not going to buy anymore yeah and for those fans this is their this is what they wanted they just wanted a better looking version of the original and maybe that's what they're going to fucking give them and i can't blame them for that um making it mobile again i think time will tell like pocket edition of 15 we'll probably see it on console and we'll see it somewhere else and there are a lot of questions about it but scott how did you feel about this one because i know in the chat you were more what the fuck is that when you first saw it yeah i wasn't as massively blown away by it but then like i said like i said in the chat and before i'm not a mobile gamer you know i'm strictly a console guy so i mean if they do a port for it down the line when they've released all the episodes I'll probably jump on it straight up, like happily. Up. But yeah, like you said before, we're yeah. the, we're making it episodic. I'm curious, is it just gonna? Be, it seems like it's just gonna be certain events from each, from like each um, chapter of like the overall story. So I'm by that trailer. It looks like obviously your first part is gonna be the uh, the opening scene of seven again, and then from where they go from there, it will be quite interesting. But yeah, it looks like. Kind of looks a bit like a Pokemon game when it's out in the open world, and then you seem to get more um, better. Like the graphics improve drastically when you see them doing the battle system and everything. I'm quite—I think that looks really, really cool. But yeah, I mean that's what they did in the original seven. You had the weird chibi cloud, but then when you go into a battle, it looked better. The the battle character designs just looked better. I remember at the time playing the game when it first came out the original seven and just thinking why have they done that like back when i was 13 and the game came out i couldn't think of a logical reason why he looked like a chippy in the world map and then didn't in everything else to do with it now obviously we know it was just technical limitations there was no way they could have had a fully animated cloud in that looked as good as he did in the battle scene in the world map or or in in any other location other than the battle scene because well, that was the first one they did that. That's just the technical limitations of the time. Here they've done it as a stylized reason. Like they've done it for for style. And so they like they, they have already mentioned that they've done it partly because of it, the nostalgia of how the original did the same thing. So they're like, well, you know, we're going to do it again with updated models all round, which is kind of good, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't knock them for it. I think if they if they are going to do a mobile game, this is the kind of mobile game fans of the franchise actually yeah. want to see not a fucking battle royale <laughs> and and i'd imagine if this does well enough that it gets ported like pocket edition did which is on the playstation the switch you know if it does well enough to do that it might make square think about other franchises they own and other games that they have got coming out and other things they are working on or just old titles like xeno gears and go hmm could we do xeno gears pocket edition mobile thing like this could we do it with uh chrono trigger could we do it with others like it could give them a spark needed to breathe life into many other franchises they own i mean i yesterday actually after watching all these trailers uh i was playing my switch and i noticed they've put all the fucking legends final fantasy games on the switch now it's called the Final Fantasy Legends Mana series. It's got like five games from the Game Boy in one collection. It was like 12 quid. So I was like, fuck, yes, I'll get that now. It could breathe life into old franchises or it could breathe life into them doing more on the Switch and things like that. Which I'm fine with, to be quite fair. I mean, for the, for the old, especially for the older games, the Switch is the perfect console for it. Yeah, and obviously, the, you know, the Switch, the Switch seems to just do well. Graphically, it's not as impressive as every other current gen 
machine but somehow it outsells all of them the games has the biggest game sales of the year with animal crossing like rivaling things like call of duty and things like that you know just literally destroying things like that you know they've had this big pokemon announcement today which we won't get into but again it's, it's a switch exclusive it's an open world breath of breath of the wild assassin's creed genshin impact pokemon game that they've put out there and this is this is kind of the way they're going with that on there could it could we see square look at this i mean this is just a hypothetical question for you guys do you think that if they sell a shitload of the Final Fantasy VII collection, compilation collection, Ever Crisis, do you think that could could spark Square doing more of this in future? I honestly think they're milking it. But if it's that successful, they they could they could see it and go, well, actually, people really like this. What else can we do it with? Dragon Quest. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, Dragon Quest, there's loads of Dragon Quest games on the Switch. And again, they don't really talk about them too much, but there's shitloads of them on there. But there's no, like, fanfare. It's one of the weird things with Square. Currently, they don't seem to push anything the way they push Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy is their big thing that they push. It's the cash cow. Yeah, and then Nier is now, like, their second, t the secondary game that they push. And then after that, it's like Tomb Raider. On the Western market, yes. Well, yeah, Dragon Quest is massive in Japan. When I was in Japan last, um, we went to Universal, and there was a whole, like, building dedicated to a, like, a Dragon Quest ride. And at that point, I'd never even heard of Dragon Quest. I didn't know what the hell it was. I was like, what the fuck is Dragon Quest? Like, we, we, we just don't have any fanfare for Dragon Quest at all. And I don't even feel like they've tried, though. To I, I don't feel like... Square have tried to make Dragon Quest big in the West. They've just sort of allowed it to exist in Japan, and every now and then we get one of the games. Like we got eight, and then didn't see anything until eleven. You know, like it's sort of eleven's got more push than anything. From like literally, eleven's got more push than any other Dragon Quest game. And it's just a shame that eleven was kind of shit. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you said that, Chris, because I couldn't get into eleven at all. Um, we did an episode with Derek and he was telling me and John how brilliant it was. I literally played the game for like 30 hours and I was like, this is shit and turned it off. I was like, this game is fucking terrible. And everyone's like, no, you've got to give it another 20 hours, man. You've got to at least play it for 150 hours before you rate it or something. It's like... You shouldn't have to put 50 hours into a game before it gets good. But I did the same thing. I, I, uh, I bought uh, Dragon Quest XI based off of that episode because the guy like pretty sold his heart out for it. And I was like, oh, I was like, I, yeah, I can't get into this. It's like poor man's Final Fantasy. Yeah, that's kind of how it felt. Which, if you said that in Japan, they'd go fucking apeshit. Mate, it's in the English though. It's all the fucking West Country accents at the start, in particular. It's just like, oh my god. And it's just, it's so childish, man. It's childish, and it feels like it's just a kids' game. Dragon Quest has never done it for me. We gotta move on, because I don't want to talk about Dragon Quest. This was not a Dragon Quest episode. For the Dragon Quest fans who tuned in, there you go. We all just said your series is shit. <laughs> one game. I've not played any others. I can't judge a whole franchise on one game. Eight. Eight is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, eight is really good. Yeah. Eight eight was good. Eight was fucking phenomenally so much better. 
Yeah, no, eight, 8 is a good game. So now we move on to the big reveal, which Sony, again, there was no fanfare. They never said shit. It's almost like their event looked like it was about to end, right? So if you watch the state of play, the event looked like it was about to end. And they went, hold on, we've got one more thing. And then they just started playing 7R and talking about how it had been upgraded and updated. So I know Jake paid the most attention to that. So we'll start with Jake. When you saw the upgrades and the quality quality of life as they called it and the texture upgrades and stuff how did it how did it make you feel so like i've i've said before that i was disappointed in the remake and like it was only because of like the story beats they went for otherwise yeah. i thought it was really well done like overall graphically it was very good the battle system was fantastic the fucking the leveling the materia i thought everything was really well done but then there were the little issues, like the fucking textures in the background, like the skyboxes they used. Skyboxes look really good in some games, and like you couldn't tell they're a skybox. And then you've got like the, the, the pieces of scenery and everything where they just don't load properly. And you just take a moment where you just look across the game and go, I'm really enjoying this and I love the graphics, but I wish I hadn't stopped to take it in. <laughs> And like that, that sort of thing just broke you out of the game. And now that now that they're like fixing that with the PS5 upgrades, like I'm I'm all for it. Like I'm I'm probably gonna go back and play it start to finish again. Just on I th- PS5. I think so. I I don't even think I'm gonna do the carry my data over stuff that because they announced you're gonna be able to carry your data over. I think I'm just gonna play it again. I I am gonna carry my data over. Because I don't want to have to go through the slog of levelling up all the characters to level 50 and unlocking the Gotadamarong again. Once I got the Gotadamarong, I was just having so much fun with other shit. Because that thing is broken. Only for part two to come out and uh, and, and for Yuffie to steal it all. And take all, your, take all the items you had in the... I, at least it's canon at that point. You know, if, if, if there's a reason to go back down, it's like, alright, fine. <laughs> One thing I do want to mention with this... Do you think, and um, we were super hyped for the game, and like, as Jake said, we have been quite, not negative about it, but there are things, story-wise, that fucking suck in, in 7R. Not most of it, literally, the majority, 80% of the story is great, and then... I'd go as far as 90%, actually, because it's only really a very small amount of it that all this plot ghost shit happens in. And even the first stuff with the plot ghosts, I was like, okay, this is an interesting concept. But when it's like you have to defeat them, and when they throw that at you, I'm like, oh, well, fuck this. This is bollocks, right? Like, as soon as you get to the final chapter and Barrett gets run through with a fucking sword and comes back, like, as soon as they started doing that, I was like, this is, this is whack. Like, this is just not, this is like... I did think it was clever subversion. I will say that much. Like, that threw people off. Nobody expected it. And it was also a clever nod to the fact that he was supposed to die in the original one, and then they changed the script. I get it, but it's what they've done afterwards, right? So for the shock factor, for the subversion, brilliant. Yeah, makes sense. But then when they do this Kingdom Hearts time bullshit, I'm just like, why? Why the fuck are you putting this in this? This game, to me, is the perfect Final Fantasy game. Seven is the perfect Final Fantasy story to me. Why would you add all this bollocks into it? Fucking Nomura. What I'm getting at is here, even though there are elements in it I don't like, overall, I enjoyed the game for the most part. Where do we draw the line on, no matter how hyped we were for it being released, 
do we look at it objectively like we would with cyberpunk and go should they have just fucking waited and released it on the ps5 anyway like should they have bothered with the ps4 version which had errors texture problems things like that or should they have just waited another year and dropped it with the U- with the yuffie stuff built into it yeah but you think how long this how long ago this was announced yeah but same as same as cyberpunk right that it, it's, it's, it was a lot longer common than cyberpunk was they had to drop it like like scott says it was it was coming in a lot longer the problem here is it was announced way before the ps5 was like even a twinkle in the fucking eye of the people who were going to be buying them so like if they if they'd have if they'd have said actually we're stopping production on the ps4 you have to get a ps5 to play it i actually think that would have caused massive backlash not just a little bit of oh this is shit that would have been fucking like riots in the streets level backlash but i think so the reason why i brought it up is they're also giving it away next month a year after coming out for free on playstation plus there are people i know people and and i'm not saying like oh yeah anecdotal the one or two people you know personally no i'm talking about the eight thousand almost nine thousand people on the page where i would see comments when the game was coming out hundreds a day going i bought a ps4 just to play this game (laughs) Like all over the page, that hundreds of people. Which, if that's hundreds out of a th- out of eight thousand, right? Out of the millions of people that bought the game, the five or six million who bought the game, how many of them bought a PS4 to play this fucking game that is now going to be free? And also, they can't play the DLC on the current PS4. They have to have a PS5. Is that not worse than just going fuck it? We're putting it off for a year, and it's going to be PS5 exclusive. You know what? Like at what point are you getting diminishing returns on that? Well, I was just reading. I was reading an article just before we went on, actually, because um, I was curious. The when they drop it for free next month, Sony have confirmed that the PS Plus version will not be eligible for the free upgrade. Ah. So you won't get. You won't be able to upgrade it to the PS Five. So you would actually have to buy the game either on the PS Four and upgrade it, or get the PS Five. You won't be able to use the PS Plus version uh, for the upgrade. That's clever. A little bit, a little bit underhanded, but clever. It's very clever. And to be honest, if you play it on PS Plus and go, "This game's fucking good," and then you like it, when it comes to upgrading, you could probably pick up a second-hand disc for the PS4, delete your PS Plus version, and just fucking chuck it on there just to get your upgrade because you can get that for twenty quid now. You can buy you can buy seven R on eBay for twenty quid now. So it's on. Well, the website I was on was like in dollars, but it's like half price or something at the minute on Amazon in, in America. So I'm not sure if it's on the English one as well. So it's like thirty bucks in America on on their Amazon side. So I'd fucking spend the thirty bucks and get the physical copy and then get the free upgrade. And that's why I'm glad I've got a disc PS5. But then this is something you could do, like, literally, like, you could just wait, right? You could take it for free and save the 20 until you need to upgrade. And then just, by the time you need to upgrade, it's probably going to be even cheaper. Especially once it it hits PS Plus, it's going to go down in price a lot. Well, you just wait for the discounts on... um... Oh wait, no! It has to be physical copy for the upgrade. You can't do the digital. Oh no, no, no! You, you can you can do a digital upgrade, but you have to have bought the digital version. The PS Plus one it marks it as a PS Plus exclusive free, um, so you'd have to physically buy it. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's fine then. So yeah, you just wait for it, you wait for it to come up on deals, and it will be even cheaper. Then, yeah, no, so. no, we it'd be a lot cheaper. Like, listen, I'm not. I don't want to. Like, I feel bad for the people, and um, I put a big post on our Facebook group about this today. I feel bad for some people. Um, the two reasons being, there are people who bought a PS4 because they wanted to play this game. The same way that I felt bad for the people that bought a cyberpunk themed Xbox that couldn't run the fucking game. <laughs> like it's it's shitty. It's one of those things where I just just from like a logical fucking standpoint, it's not good business practice. We can all agree it's not good big business practice to do what Square have done with this, making the DLC exclusive, basically just saying fuck the previous console because it was a ps4 game it was a ps4 exclusive i mean let let's get real when the ps4 exclusive will not run the dlc it's shitty business practices and it shits on the people like i said who bought the ps4 just to play this given the current crisis we've even been able to get a ps5 which i know jake's got two sitting in his house well they're not both mine one is my girlfriend's all right <laughs> But given the current crisis with the PS5, it does put people who want to play the Yuffie DLC in a predicament where, like myself, I want to get this on day one. I don't want to have to fucking wait to play it because I run a massive Square Enix themed group and any content from this is going to be memed and spoiled straight away on release for for this DLC. It I just feel like it is a shitty thing to cut off PS4 players of the original for this DLC. I understand. I read what Square said about it. The reason why it's PS5 is because it was not built for the PS4. When they had to make the Ultimate Edition or whatever they're calling it and all the upgrades for the PS5, the tools they used to make that is what they used just to make the, the Yuffie DLC. However, you're still cutting off the 5 million people who already bought the fucking game. All of those 5 million people are still going to be sitting there going, well, I haven't got a PS5 yet. We know from PS5 sales that they're fucking hard to come by. It just puts you on a time. A time Like now, you know, you've got, if you want to play this from day one, you've got six months to get your, no, not even that. You've got like four months to get your fucking PS5 sorted out. I think, I think a lot of people will have one by that point though. Yeah, well, like here in Guernsey, it's not so bad for us because like, there's only actually one shop that does gaming really anymore and everyone goes to it he, he regulates the stock better because he doesn't do online sales so you don't get all the scalpers using bots to do it they have to physically fucking order from him so the scalping issue for us isn't you know it's not as prevalent as it is for all these big companies and then you know we, we've actually got the waiting list we can get on and we will definitely be there in the waiting list because we've got our name down if we wanted to buy one locally, you will even be told what wave you're going to get them in. Like, if you went on there today, if you walk, if you phoned them up today or emailed them today and said, I want to buy a PS5, he'll go, right, I've got 80 people on the waiting list. You're 81. We're getting 40 in in two weeks' time. So then you know you're 41 on the waiting Do you know what I mean? Like, so he, he can do that. But for the rest of the world, getting a ps5 right now one you've got a pandemic on so production is slowed and two scalpers are just taking the fucking royal piss none of these places target amazon walmart game none of them have put any protections in place to stop these bots doing it 
And the reason why, they get paid either way, so they don't seem to give a fuck. If a bot buys 500 of them off them, they don't fucking care because they've already been paid. Yep, exactly that. And the only people that seem to care about it is Sony, even though Sony are also getting paid for when they sell. It's because their reputation goes down. Like, they themselves take a hit on their reputation and people are going, Sony, you need to do something about it. I'll say this now, Sony can't do anything about it because they're not the ones, dis- they're distributing them to the stores and the stores are the ones letting them do it. They're like, the middleman is allowing people to fucking do whatever the fuck they want. I mean, there are even pitches in America, I mean, not so much in England because we don't have those mega stores like that. we got supermarkets, but they're not the same. Where you see people walking out of supermarkets with 20 in a trolley just piled up and just fucking chucking them in their car where on the door it says one per person but the fucker who comes in and wants 20 they're letting them buy 20 there's even not just a bot error there's also a human error of people going well fuck it they want to buy them let them buy them look i'm not going to turn away 10 grand of sales like on the door i'm just not going to do it and obviously from a business sense standpoint i understand that so i do see why people are pissed off about the idea that what's coming with 7R is going to lock them off on the PS4. However, I also see Square's point of we didn't build it for the PS4. For the future of the game itself, realistically, the PS4 is not going to keep up with the level of, like, graphics and level of power it's going to need to keep running this game. Like, it was already struggling with the first fucking iteration of it, which they're fixing with the PS5, and now it actually looks pretty fucking stunning but if you if you have if you have the ps4 in tow the whole time if you keep going well we're going to keep trying to support the old consoles all they're doing is shooting themselves in the foot and it makes more work for them which makes the work across the board slower and lower quality yeah and we've seen a lot of this and scott as an assassin's creed fan will be able to talk on this we've seen a lot of this in the past and other generations of consoles where they will like release backdated versions or versions that operate on both and they have no matter what they say if you bought the 360 version of black flag versus the xbox one version of black flag while the xbox one version does look better it doesn't look as good as what it could have looked if they only focused on the Xbox One. If they only focused on providing quality for the Xbox One and dropped the previous console, it, they could have had more attention not having to try and operate two systems at once. Yeah, but it's, it, it, dep- it all depends on like what year. Because you mean, like with Assassin's Creed, they've kept up as the consoles of come out so you didn't you like black flag came out on the ps4 like a year or so after it came out on the ps3 it's only really when unity and rogue came out they played them for each console it's not it's not really the uh, i wouldn't really compare it like that but like you see it a lot with games where it's like on available on both available on both available on, on like you know all the way through it and those games i don't think ever truly realize what the new console can do yet like they kind of just they're staying a little bit behind because they're still servicing the old one that's what's happening right now which is why i've said on the on our group chat and that before is at the minute even though it's great to have a ps5 because you get the graphics update there's nothing really exclusive 
This is literally the first time we're actually seeing something that's going to be exclusively for the PS5 that's not going to be on the PS4. Everything else that's coming out at the minute, the uh, like uh, Ratchet and Clank, I thought that was going to be strictly a PS5 exclusive, but it's coming out on the PS4 as well. So what's the rush for a PS5 apart from it's going to look a little bit better? It's not, there's no real need for it. Was the, was the Demon Souls redo uh, on PS4? Yeah, Demon Souls was PS5. There are some games that are just PS5, but they're not uh, outside of Demon Souls. Most of them haven't been big games. We've not, we've not seen a AAA title yet. Because even Demon Souls, the Souls games are not AAA titles. They're big games, but they're not. They're not AAA titles. They're not ones that. Yeah, they're not the ones that people are just raving about across platform, across um, the internet. You know, with these raging fan base, brilliant games, but just not ones that have um, the rabid fans of, say, a Call of Duty or an Assassin's Creed or any Ubisoft title or, or EA title or anything like that. They don't have the rabid fans. Like Far Cry 6, is that going to be cross-platform? Is it going to be PS4 and PS5, or is that going to be strictly PS5? PS5 exclusive, as far as I know. So, there you go. Same with, like, um, Forbidden West, Horizon, the new Horizon game. I think that's going to be PS5 exclusive as well. Nah, Far Cry 6 is um, PS4 as well. Oh, really? really? Even though it's yep. not coming out until, like, November this year. That seems insane that it'd even be... Like, by that time, it seems insane that it'd even be on the PS4. Yeah, because you've got, like, apparently apparently Ratchet & Clank's going to be PS5 only. Apparently. Is it? I thought I saw the other day that it's, uh, uh, one of the last trailers that it's it's got a PS4 logo attached to it as well. But, yeah, apparently that one was supposed to be anyway. Um, you've got uh, Deathloop, which is going to be next-gen only. By the sounds, well, PS5 only. You got um, apparently Final Fantasy 16 is only going to be on the new ones and not on the old ones. Yeah, they did say that. They did say 16 was going to be exclusive, uh, not just exclusive to that gen. By the time it comes out, it should be. Well, yeah. And so you got Project Athea is going to be next gen exclusive. You got fucking uh, God of War Ragnarok is obviously going to be PS5 only. So we've kind of discussed everything apart from the big one. So, we've mentioned it. There is Yuffie DLC. We've mentioned that it's going to be exclusive. We've, we've gone over that. But we haven't actually gone over what the story appears to look like. And what it means for the overall story arc of Final Fantasy VII Remake. It is completely new content. It is content that does not exist previously in any of the Final Fantasy games. I know, obviously, Yuffie plays a part in Crisis Core and in Before Crisis, but this is like that stuff ramped right up to place her in Midgar during the events of the Midgar saga of Final Fantasy VII. So, in, in, the, in the trailer for it, we've seen some of the deep ground soldiers from Dirge of Cerberus, as well as Weiss. So... It looks to me like they're going to explore them. They're going to bring them forwards, or, or backwards, I suppose. Because, like, fucking, in, in Dirge of Cerberus, right at the beginning, they're like, oh, there's this, you know, fucking underground thing from the old Shimmer building that no one had a clue was there. And it's never mentioned in Seven, it's never mentioned in Advent Children, it's never mentioned in fucking any of that. Dirge of Cerberus is the first time we see it. But if Deep Ground's a full, massive fucking organisation within Shinra, it had to have been there beforehand. So it, it, I suppose it makes sense that they're going to kind of start tying that in properly now. But then you've also got Crisis Core, where 
you've got um, the, some of the soldier rejects from that. Like they come and you got they come and pick up Genesis at the end, and I think one of them is Weiss. Which explains the weird ending of um, Dirge of Cerberus, where Genesis turns up to Weiss's body and is like, "I'm gonna." take you away or whatever the fuck happens at the end of that the weird thing is though is that they also state that weiss is a clone of hojo that was triggered after hojo's death there is a lot of weird dumb shit involved in the compilation that what i think they're trying to do with 7r is tie it all in canically so it makes fucking sense some way so that it, it is mentioned already in 7r we've seen a deep ground base because when the plate falls and sector 7 is cracked open you go into one of the deep ground hidden bases underneath midgar that exists so they've already hinted at it in 7r and we've had the hints of the genesis project with g soldier and s soldiers so they have mentioned it they have brought it up but this is a huge step towards that i didn't think we were going to get any dlc i thought it was just going to be the wait until part two came out um i mean jake was on the episode we did the episode with the night sky prince and we spoke about dlc in that episode we actually brought it up and what we all agreed on the three of us while chatting was that i wonder if they're not going to bring zach back in the main timeline and they're going to do a what if zach dlc because when we got to that point it was like they were like oh yeah we're like two maybe three years away from part two they are not going to leave this for two three years without giving us something because they don't want it to die off they don't want anticipation to die off so we all agreed that a dlc would be possible and probably plausible and now we're seeing that a year after or just over a year after the game is released you know by a few months we're getting dlc then a year after that we're getting the ever crisis mobile game so i'd imagine at the end of 22 we're gonna have some real info on part two and the release date of part two and things like that so i I wouldn't be surprised if this dlc does tell us something it may not be like part two coming x day but i wouldn't be surprised if they gave us something at the end of it that suggests something for something coming up maybe because they, they seem to like doing stuff like that. Yeah, and it may even end with the idea of adding a second DLC to it. I wouldn't put it past them to drop another DLC. One DLC makes sense because that's how Square do things. You know, apart from 15, if you look at Kingdom Hearts, a year later, Remind dropped. And then you got these spin-off titles and mobile games and whatever else they're planning. But all that came afterwards. This is very reminiscent to me of the game dropped a year ago. We're releasing a DLC, you know, 14, 16 months later, and we've got mobile games down the line, just like they had with Kingdom Hearts, and then we jump on to whatever it is they have next, part two, whatever is after that. Um, one question you guys might know, this, um, this character that was with Yulfie, mm. um, what's his name? Yeah, is he has he been in past games before, or is this an original character for it? Oh, Sonon, I think they called him. I don't think he's turned up before. So this this could be interesting, because this, this is the sort of thing that I was hoping for originally, like before we got the first part of the remake, was interesting new characters that would help drive narrative. And that's what I think Sonon is going to represent for me for this new DLC. Yeah, no, I mean, he from what we saw, he actually doesn't look like a bad character. They've kind of got this buddy cop, little sister vibe going on between him and Yuffie, which I like. 
Um, it would be problematic currently until they kind of discuss Yuffie's age at a prolonged uh, moment and confirm how old she's now going to be. But it would be problematic to have him perving after her. So the buddy cop little sister vibe makes sense yeah. uh, for what we see. And he doesn't look like a... He kind of looks like Gladio to me. He kind of got a Gladio vibe to the guy. He's like Ninja Gladio. And I, I don't mind it, but I am... Depends how they how they use him, I suppose. I'm somewhat in two minds about Weiss being brought in. <laughs> I know. Dirge of Cerberus is shit. It's just not a very it, it's not a very fun game to play. It's got some great story elements, the stuff that they build on, but the whole deep ground thing, literally, as Jake said earlier, comes out of nowhere and makes fucking no sense. They're, oh yeah, when the when the Shinra building got hit by weapon they weren't able to get out of it or some shit they, they kind of just go yes they've been trapped they've been trapped in their base oh yeah because they they moved they moved all the fucking all the rubble and everything from all of that shit going on and like the fight between cloud and sephiroth and advent children would have shifted more rubble and everything so like i think i think i don't mind the the, the deep ground shit too too much if they give it some better context and some better, like, lore surrounding it during what they're doing. And if they don't turn, turn them into the Mary Sue characters that they were in Dirge of Cerberus, where the old party, including Cloud, turn up to fight them and then get their asses handed to them. We're going to help you, Vincent. And then it's like, okay, but they actually fucked you all up and Vincent has to save the day anyway. Yeah, but I suppose now is the time for them, like you said before, is to retcon everything. Because you're not making the base Final Fantasy VII, then you're expanding on a prequel and sequels to it. You literally can work it all the way in one and make put everything in a proper order. Yes. Yeah. A well-weaved tapestry rather than just a tacked-on fucking add-on. <laughs> yeah, forgetting what shit came before and making it up as you go along. Yeah, which is odd because we are dealing with Nomura... Um, who's now stepped up into like a higher level. He's no longer the game director. He's project director now. He he's st f he's stepped up one to oversee the whole project rather than just just the game and and writing on the game, working on the game. In fact, he's no longer writing the game anymore, but he's overseeing the whole lot. This is not the guy who would normally go, "We should probably fix this bullshit we put in the other games." Uh, he's normally the guy who adds more bullshit. So it's shocking to see him at the helm of something and going, we really need to fix this fucking timeline. He likes fucking timelines up. <laughs> well, maybe he's, maybe he's learned his lesson. Maybe. Like, and I said this um, on the Konami episode. I feel a bit sorry for him. I think there's not... Be he's not had many chances to just make his game without the influence of other people. 15, he was constantly getting the rug pulled from under him. We're not doing that. We're changing this. We're changing that. Like, all the way through the production of 15, Nomura just basically got told, we don't like what you want to do. So his original versus 13, most of what that was doesn't exist in 15, hence the Veer and Rex, Rex stuff in Kingdom Hearts 3. But also with Kingdom Hearts, every decision he makes has to be okayed by Disney. So how much shit did they say no to? Which is going to be a lot. We know Disney are known for being pricks. So, I think I think he should go and do something with Hideo Kojima. Jesus Christ, nothing would make sense then. Yeah, Hideo Kojima likes weird, over-the-top, fucking strange plot shit. I think him and Nomura would get along really well. 
and they can stop fucking Final Fantasy. That means they can leave Final Fantasy alone, stop fucking that up, and go and fucking make an original confusing plotline that no one's going to give a fuck about. Like Death Stranding. <laughs> How do you survive? Find the 99 belts. Yeah, it would just be Silent Hill with spiky-haired protag. <laughs> what I do think looks really good with this DLC, um, sort of shift and tack a little bit, is Yuffie and Sonon look like they've got proper combo attacks. Not just like not just like you can chain from like one character to another to do different things. They actually properly interact for combo abilities and things. Yeah, it does look like they've added something between the two characters. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that somehow you kind of operate both in tandem as opposed to just switching between like you do in 7R if there are tandem attacks that are added to it which would be a great addition and hopefully something they continue to build upon in the future because tandem attacks would open up the battle system in 7R by by shitload right tandem attacks and things like that group attack I mean they did it in 15 yeah yeah and and if you look at how they're fun in Persona 5 in Persona 5 when you do the the hold up attacks and you all gang up and then you've also got the tandem attacks in Persona 5 too those two things are actually quite a fun element to build up and be able to get ready if they added something like that to to 7R I would I wouldn't poo poo it I would say actually yeah that's a welcome change almost like it make it like an alternative limit break yeah true. exactly like an alternative limit break works if you could build up two people's limit at the same time and instead of using them as they're both both hit their limit you've got dual attacks that you could add and things like that that'd be really cool especially between one of the best things about 7r is one of the best things in final fantasy 15 which was the camaraderie that was built up between characters so being able to add group attacks to characters that you've built camaraderie in makes fucking sense it makes a lot of sense it's gonna be interesting to see how it like progresses and how it evolves as we see more coming up like it'll be cool to see like 7R to begin with hasn't really had them. This DLC is going to have them. It'd be interesting to see to see like them gaining more combo stuff as it goes along as they build a relationship between the team members. And as you get more and more characters for the party. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, that's one thing I want to I want to ask you guys. Do you think 7R part 2 will include Yuffie from the opening of the game now that she's been introduced in this dlc and that in that dlc we've seen her interact with tifa and barrett yes i i I genuinely think they will um you've got to think about the original where after midgar you've got the calm flashbacks you've got the chocobo fucking getting over the swamp past um fucking midgar's olin you've got the, the mithril caves then you're basically on to Junin. It's between the caves and Junin you find Yuffie normally. I actually think this would be a more natural change to getting Yuffie, getting her literally after Midgar, she turns up and she's there for the other events, like up to Junin. I think it's just more logical, to be honest. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense that she would chase them down as they escape. As they escape Midgar, it's too dangerous for her to be there, so she follows them and finds them. Um, I'm surprised they gave us even a hint of Whis in this trailer at all. When I first saw, they first show you the deep ground soldiers in the city fucking outfits. And I was, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh shit, that's deep ground. But then they openly fucking just show you Whis sitting in a throne or wherever the fuck he was. Like, they're not even fucking hiding from it now. They're, they're openly giving it away. 
part of me thinks that that is also subversion on their part. Like when they drop the trailer where you see um, shows Sephiroth killing Barrett, the final trailer. And obviously when you play the game, he's brought back to life by plot ghosts and things are changed and that's not actually how the game rolled out. Barrett does survive. Part of me wonders if dropping Weiss in this, in a game that's going to be out in like four months' time, is them subverting us to the fact that he's going to have a bigger role or is he literally just going to be teased even in the main game or what yeah because that, that's another quick point actually with the date was it june 10th june 10th it is june 10th it is american okay so it's june okay so it is literally like four or five months away now soon that's super close oh man i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling fucking spoiled this year right i've got fucking Soulstorm for free in april because PS5 gets the fucking... We were literally getting it on the fucking uh, April PS Plus. Got fucking Soulstorm. May is Mass Effect Legendary Edition. June is now fucking 7 Integrate. That's only that three months. At least you're not spoiled for choice. Well, you're also going to get whatever the hell they're doing with Cyberpunk for the PS5 too. Um, on the way. Which looks like a load of quality of life and even story updates to that. And a free and a free DLC for that too. We've got a lot of stuff coming out this year, not to yeah, mention man. everything coming out at Christmas this year and at the end of the year, which is fucking full, packed full of good titles. There's fucking Kenna Bridge of Spirits is one of the games I really. Well, like that leads me off. that leads me to the e the end of this because <laughs> this was in state of play, and we were talking about state of play events around seven. We have got a quick 10, 20 minutes here to talk about. The rest of State of Play. Now, personally, is it this is a part where I can bow out quite easily because I wasn't that impressed. But I know Jake and Chris, you guys were more impressed with some of the stuff you saw at State of Play. So I say I'm really liking the look of Sifu. I love I love the martial arts in it. The martial arts looks absolutely fucking stunning. But I fucking hate the graphical style they've gone with. Why? I hate it. What what about it sets you off? I don't like it. I just don't like the way it looks. Everything just looks odd and out of place and weird and uncomfortable. I do not like the art style they've used. Couldn't disagree more. I really like the way it looks. Mate, that game gives me such uh, Sleeping Dogs vibes to the combat. And I like the, like, I like the art style. I really do love the, love the game. And I think, it's, I think that's going to be a fucking cracker this year. Well, I'm I'm definitely going to play it because the the like you said the martial arts and I've already said the martial arts looks fucking stunning, and the story actually looks like you're seeing the character get older as the trailer goes on. So the story looks like it'll be really good. I just I'm going to sit there hating the art style as I enjoy the story, knowing me. <laughs> you never know; it might grow on you. Well, I'm hoping that, like, realistically, I'm hoping that's what happens. If the art style, if the art style does fit the gameplay as you're playing it, because I've noticed that with a few games where I've been like, mm, I'm not sure I enjoy the art style of the game, but actually, uh, Oni, uh, no, um, what the fuck's it called? The little white wolf game. Oh, Okami. Okami, right? So when I saw that, I was like, mm, on the PS2 or whatever it is. That's, that doesn't look so good with this like paintbrushed cartoony graphics. But actually, when you play the game and the way the game is stylized and those graphics linked in, I was like, oh, I'm all in. The art style is fucking awesome because it fits. Well, that, that's the really weird thing because like, I actually liked Okami's art style. Same. I love that game. <laughs> but like, you know, I quite liked I quite liked the very Japanese paintbrush style of the art in that because it was obviously, you know, 
part of the story to it. Just this this one just doesn't seem as natural. Like I don't think the the art style feels as natural to me. But again, with with the smoothness of the combat, I think the game, regardless of the art style, I think the game is going to be awesome. No, no, that was definitely. I mean, that is the game that stood out the most to me in state of play. Tian's not here because he liked that shooting thing. He he was like well in on that. Deathloop. 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 Yeah. Um, that I think I think that looks like fun because you've got like the the whole the whole idea is like. You've got to kill, like, whichever character you're playing, you've got to kill all the other characters within a certain amount of time, or the entire night is reset and you have to do it all again. And then it becomes harder because then they know the how you've done it the last time. So, like, I think I think the concept is really cool. Yeah, it reminds me, actually, when looking at it, the way the gameplay flows reminds me a lot of Dishonored. And I really like the Dishonored games. I think they're, um, like, unsung heroes of the PS3 and PS4 that people just don't talk about at all should probably get more of a um a more fanfare and more games built around them because they were actually really good. Well yeah. Well one one of the really clever things was their internal karma system that you couldn't see where if you if you went through the games murdering fucking everybody the the game world was darker the enemies were more violent fucking like things about the world became distorted and horrible whereas if you were really careful to be non-violent and not kill anyone everything was brighter more positive less violence and everything so like even that alone they didn't have big meters and fanfare telling you it was just something that happened through the game subtly as you played and i think stuff like that well, there's a reason why Deathloop reminds you of Dishonored. It's the same developer. I know graphically it doesn't look similar, but just the way... The first thing I thought when I saw the the style of the gameplay was like, this reminds me of Dishonored in the way that you would sneak and kill people so much. And as we said, like Dishonored is the game... If Bioshock didn't exist, I think Dishonored would have got its just due. But I think because Dishonored was very similar in style to Bioshock... It kind of got left behind, unfortunately, while Bioshock became like a cultural phenomenon. I think that's part of the problem. Um, is there anything else other than Deathloop and, uh, you know, that you guys liked on this state of play? Kenner Bridge of Spirits. That game fucking looked awesome. Like, I love the whole Japanese feel to the way they've done it and, like, all, all the, the spirits and everything that they've got. And, like, it, it looks a little bit more like Pixar graphics sort of thing, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because like if it's constant throughout the game and it lends itself to its own style, I think it's going to be a really good game. Looking at the gameplay, um, trailer they showed off, it looks very much like Ori. Yeah, that's what I thought Ori and then the Will of the Wisps. Yeah, it reminds me of that. I never played that, but I quite like it. There's two, right? Ori and the Blind Forest. Especially if you liked um, Spirit of the North. Well, because my, my, my idea is, like, you've got the little the little spirit things that she seems to control a little bit like Overlord, which is, like, a weird thing to compare it to. And Overlord was hilarious, because you just ran around as an evil guy with your minions, making them murder everything. And, like, this looks similar, but you're not murdering everything. You're helping things with the spirits. So I think that could be a really interesting dynamic for the game. Um, but, like, I can't really say much more. It just It just looks really good, like a fun adventure game to play. I got like a woke vibe from it. I thought this is the one they're going to champion. I'm sure all the characters are very diverse in every possible way we can think of. So 
I got very much that kind of vibe off it. The, the, the other one I think I've already mentioned is uh, Oddworld Soulstorm as well. The Oddworld games were so much fun, the old PS1 games. And this one looks so much more involved and there's so much more to play with. It, it's, it's one of those twisted games where like there's going to be a lot of death and like weird things happening in it. But it's going to be really interesting to see. Like they've they've mentioned that it's going to have all the interesting haptic controls and things that oh, be integrated wow. for the PS5. Okay, one. that could be really so, cool. Yeah. So considering considering they're giving it to us in April as part of the PS Plus thing for free if you have a PS5 with a brand new game like this, like I'm, it makes you wonder what, how can they do that? You know, how can they give us a shit free? Think about it this way, like um. The WWE used to have pay-per-views every month that were like $40 each. And once a month, you would buy it for $40, and that was it. $40 is a lot. They're not going to buy every one. Only the diehards buy every one. Uh, maybe they buy selected ones, WrestleMania, whatever is the most popular. So WWE created the WWE Network, which was $9.99 a month, and included every pay-per-view but also like other shit to watch all the old content you could go back and spend hours watching 1998 attitude era week by week if you want but we've never seen it from a company like xbox or like sony outside of the world of pro wrestling with the wwe network they were the first to adopt a monthly streaming service that included everything and the pay-per-views were now free as part of the streaming service they were the first to to implement that kind of tech and that kind of idea game pass basically does the same thing exclusives are released for free the xbox um comes with a bunch of free games as well you pay a monthly sub rather than buying new games every month sony throwing odd world and other games on their version of game pass to me makes perfect perfect evolutionary sense enough yeah think thinking about it that way then yeah because i've I've not really seen a lot on that, and I've not really focused a lot on that side of things, just because I tend to buy a lot of my stuff physical. Yeah. Um, like, a lot of stuff physical. But, um, but it just it's like a reoccurring player account, right? So why is it that we don't see sales numbers as much as we used to, but we see reoccurring player account numbers way more? Like, Fortnite will go, we have the highest reoccurring player account. We have these random games on Steam that no one's ever heard of going... In the first month, we had 10 million players. And it's like, but the game's free. So why are we caring that you've got 10 million players when you gave it away for free? Because that reoccurring count equals attention, equals data they can sell, equals um, microtransactions, possibly monthly subscriptions, and all sorts of stuff. That the reoccurring player count is now more, more um, coveted than sale, game sales. And as I mentioned with the WWE Network, it used to all be about ratings. Scott will say this. Pro wrestling. All they used to talk about was ratings. Now, all they give a fuck about is how many cunts are on their YouTube, how many people are buying the network week to week, how many people are watching on... Like, the ratings aren't as big of a deal as they used to be. Unless it's Wednesday night. Wednesday night they pay attention to, yeah. We've probably exhausted this topic for one night. For one episode uh unless there's anything anyone else wants to say about state of play uh i think i think it's time for us to uh bid you all adieu i'm gonna say it, it's been a bit awkward trying to do this trying to work out who's gonna say what and when because we are doing it online but 
please understand if you listen to this we are not allowed people in the studio just yet to record uh, as soon as we are we are probably going to get very drunk in the studio and record so normal service will resume we're, we're going to try and do this once a week or whatever and try and have hosts we're actually going to try and continue to create content while we are in lockdown and as i said as soon as we are out of it we will be doing episodes uh in the studio and getting up to our old tricks so cheers thanks <laughs>